0: Welcome to the Southern New England Ministry Network podcast. Today, we're continuing the Minister Health Storytelling series. Kristen, tell us who we're gonna hear from today.
1: Well, today we have Greg Detweiler. Greg is the founding director of the Intercultural Ministries Program at Boston's Emmanuel Gospel Center, uh, but he now serves as the I Am Senior Consultant. The mission of the Intercultural Ministries is to connect the body of Christ across cultural lines for the purpose of expressing and advancing the kingdom of God. Greg works with leaders from many cultural groups doing applied research and training, networking and collaborative outreach. Uh, prior to the joining the staff of EGC and to 2001, Greg has served as a church planter, a pastor, a missions pastor, and also served as a presbyter for several years in the Northeast Massachusetts section. Uh, Greg and his wife Rita live in the Boston area and have three adult children and currently serve as host parents for two international students from China. In this story episode, Greg brings us into moments on his journey where God has invited him to go deeper in transformation, to intentionally create practices, a rule of life to help hold him up under the pressure of ministry. I am confident that greg's journey will challenge us to be more mindful and attentive to the ways god desires us to slow down and establish a rule of life better better rhythms to our life and ministry well we are so excited to have greg detweiler in this conversation with us today hi greg how are you
0: very good. Good to be with you, Kristen.
1: Yeah, you too. So uh, maybe before we dive into our conversation today, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are, your family or where you're serving, anything you want to share. You can kind of say hi to everyone. And
0: Yeah, well, it's good to be around. Some of the old timers will know me. I've been around uh, in, the, in the network since uh, before it was called The Network, it was called The District. Yeah. <laughs> in 19, came in 1984, late 1984, with a church planning team to do church planning. So as an urban church planner in Boston, um, pastored in Boston, and a missionary uh, in, in the greater Boston area, working among intercultural ministries with refugees and immigrants and immigrant churches and whatnot. That's still what I'm doing to this day. Mm-hmm. have three children, three adult children now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we host uh, a couple of international students from China in our home as well. So we're not quite an empty nest yeah. and, uh, yeah, says a little bit about us.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, we had a zoom call back in June with the network where, you know, you and a few others shared a little bit of your story and what God was teaching you through it. Uh, and just really focusing on this idea of wholeness and wholeness in our discipleship, wholeness in ministry, uh, the idea that we're offering our whole self uh, to Christ, asking the Holy Spirit to transform us uh, from the inside out. That's something that's really important to this work that we're doing for Minister Health. And again, the idea of, you know, we want to address crisis, but we want to be Even more, uh, go beyond crisis to really create preventative measures, and uh, wholeness is an important part of that. So, you shared a lot of really great wisdom just in that brief time that we had together, and I'm excited to be able to hear a little bit more from you. So, we're just gonna start uh, from a little bit from the beginning, and just I wanna invite you to share maybe a few what I would call marked moments. Uh, where God was really getting your attention to address your inner world, uh, to be more whole as you follow him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. There are two big ones that come to mind. One early in ministry, one a little more midterm. Um, But the first one was about a year and a half into our work in church planning in Boston with the team we came in uh, with Um, and our, uh, our team leader kind of had a implosion and spiritual and moral crisis and ended up leaving very abruptly. And it caused a huge disruption and a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And um, as a young leader, then 24 years old um, I was asked to kind of assume the leadership of that team and continue on as the pastor of the first church that we helped start. Mm -hmm. But as I did so, I just realized, and I, you know, i would only been there like a year and a half, but I'd seen a lot of people crash and burn, including this team leader that I came to work with. Mm -hmm. And I really felt my own sense of vulnerability, you know, so while I was really grieved over what happened to him and his family, and also the church and people, everybody is connected, just seeing that cascading effect, Mm -hmm. I also felt as I stepped into that role as a young man, my own sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I knew my own kind of fragility and brokenness. Um, and so, you know, the leader that I work with, you know, there was sexual misconduct. Um, and in the area of sexuality, you know, for me, I felt like as I entered into my adulthood and even into early marriage and ministry, there was stuff inside of me that I'd never really dealt with um, sexual abuse as a child, um, pornography. Uh, and just a lot of stuff that I never really brought into the light and really processed with, with Jesus sufficiently. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I really knew I could just be in the long line of people who fall <laughs> you'd know, yeah. crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I really need to take some measures. And that was really a wake up call for me. And um, so some of the actions that I, that I took at that time to try to, Safeguard and guard my own soul. Yeah.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah, that's good. So, it's it's incredible because part of what you're saying is this recognition of I see things present in my life, and yet I don't want to get to a place where it's just completely exploding and out of control. And yet, you were thrown into a, a position of leadership. I mean, would you say before you were ready?
0: you know, in some ways I, you know, you know, I do know that our inner life has to be able to sustain the outer demands of life. And in that sense, I was kind of in over my head, um,
1: trial by fire,
0: (laughs) trial by fire. Mm -hmm. But thankfully God did give me enough wisdom (laughs) at the time to, to really seek out earnestly, um, Uh, safe places that I could be in uh, a place where I could bring what was in the dark into the light Mm -hmm. and to process that stuff with spiritual leadership and counselors and whatnot Mm -hmm. and trusted peers. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was a really challenging time. I definitely, I definitely was maxed to my capacity and even beyond my capacity yeah. But the the things that I felt like God led me to did spare me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. yeah. I know I'm sure we'll revisit some of that, but you said there were two moments for you, two marked moments that you had thought of. Maybe share that second one.
0: Sure. Well, so about when I was around uh, my early 40s, um, I had gone through an intense time of of ministry in my work that was just wrought with kind of like a year or even two or three years of like one conflict after another. Mm -hmm. Uh, My work is in intercultural ministries. And it seems like the context of a lot of work is just wrought with a lot of uh, chances for misunderstanding and trying to bring diverse leaders together in churches and whatnot. And there's a lot of like, like reconciliation and conflict, Resolution and transformation kind of work that I didn't really realize after a couple of years really trying to do some significant projects like how much it was wearing on my soul. Mm. And I just woke up one day after we got done with a large conference um, and, uh, you know, there were people from probably 50 different nations and people groups and, you know, maybe uh, close to a thousand people that came from all over North America. And that was the end of like a three-year process. And I just woke up one day and I just realized I, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can't go. And I really came to a place of being debilitated mm-hmm. and just um, not really just, just depressed mm-hmm. and, um, and not being able to really function in ministry. And so that was a time that I'd entered into a guided sabbatical mm-hmm. um, to try and f- recover and find healing and, and to make sense of that time. Yeah.
1: What do you feel like uh, kind of led up to those moments? Have you identified some of those things?
0: You know, by the time I was at that age, it wasn't like I was um, – you know, just totally off the rails in terms of burnout and just um, not practicing any self-care. I feel like I was trying to practice self-care. Mm-hmm. And as I look back on it, I just feel like it was uh, in an incredibly uh, intense season. And it was just part of life after the fall, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I really needed, uh, I was due for a sabbatical at that time. And, uh, you know, you can go into sabbatical a couple of ways. You can go in not being totally depleted mm. and just go into it intentionally. Mm-hmm. But in this, in this particular instance, I went in because I desperately needed it. I was just so, uh, so spent. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. So you're sharing kind of two different seasons of your life. One being, a time in your life where you were identifying some vulnerable areas, you know, kind of recognizing the spirit was showing you some things that really needed to be addressed, um, needed to be cared for intended to by God so that you could be, uh, become and be on that path of wholeness as a leader. But then there's this other season where, as you said, it's just kind of part of the fall of the intensity of ministry, the pressure of ministry, the pressure of the environment that you serve in, and what's expected of you, and um, what you're having to navigate in those um, those communities, created a sense of overwhelm uh, that led you to desperately needing a sabbatical. So. I'm just kind of thinking about the two different seasons here and, um, do you see any, any kind of connection points between those two of just how God was coming to you in those spaces?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I think the first one was really about setting up a structure of Sabbath rhythms in my life and, um, structures of, 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 Accountability and transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first one is really more about uh, finding, uh, uh, creating those structures mm-hmm. for the rest of my life in ministry. Mm-hmm. and ministry. And I, you know, really realized out of because of my vulnerability, what I, I needed those structures. Mm-hmm. I needed places where I was able to be totally transparent with what was going on in my life. And so that was like one of the things that I instituted in that earlier period. Mm -hmm. And really since that time, I've always had at least one or two or three people that I'm walking with. And I try to be totally transparent with everything that's going on in my life. I don't hide things Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm an accountable to peer peer accountable in kind of a mutual way. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so, Yeah. So that one was more about creating those structures. The second one was more about just, uh, I think just resting in crying God Mm -hmm. and finding out what, what, what just resting. And I think also some identity, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you cease to do your work, you're also like, you know, who are you, Mm -hmm. um, if you're not able to function. And so it was a time of kind of redefining myself as, uh, I remember a passage that came to me at that time. It was this blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Mm-hmm. And that passage really gripped me at that time because, uh, and actually it was a friend that shared it with me kind of, kind of a mentor. And a lot of my work was around peacemaking and peacemaking is wrought with conflict. Mm-hmm. And That's what a lot of my work was uh, involved around, but that the verse said what you will become, you, uh, We become sons of God. And that has to do with like my identity with God as a son and he, my father. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has more to do with my being. Mm -hmm. And so this was a time where I needed to rest in my being as a son of God, a child of God.
1: Yeah. That's really important. Uh, One of the things that has come up in the other episodes, but we talk a lot about when we're talking about wholeness in Christ and wholeness in leadership is this understand, understanding of being versus doing, and that as leaders, as ministers, as helping professionals, we can really get caught up in the storm of doing more than the being, the simply being, the son, the daughter of God, the beloved of God. Can of share some of your thoughts um, on that?
0: Yeah, that definitely resonates deeply with me. You know, the older one gets and you start getting in touch with your mortality and your body <laughs> breaking down, you not being able to do the some of the things that you did when you were younger, you start getting in touch, you know, because there's going to come a day where ministry activities will slow down and even, even diminish. I mean, even if you don't, you know. I mean, I hope until I, die, until I die and I'm taken home to be with the Lord, there'll always be some meaningful thing that I'm I'm doing sure. with God and for God. But definitely the doing and your title as pastor or missionary or whatever, that's going to diminish. And what will remain is really, are you satisfied in your relationship with God as his child, mm-hmm. as his daughter, as his son? And so that's something I definitely have thought a lot about as I've gotten older and older. Mm -hmm. um, That I don't want my my identity to be defined chiefly, mainly by what I do. Is as important as that is, but you know, but my identity of who I am Mm -hmm. in God.
1: Yeah, you're sharing on two really vital points. I feel. And I'm thinking for all ministers, but especially for young ministers, um in terms of this first kind of season of life you had where you were setting up structures, you called them structures that would support you that uh, would keep you you know I don't think this is the word you use, but I'm thinking resilient in ministry, growing in christ um And then the second season, again, is addressing, you know, the beloved, the identity, really making sure that uh, that is revisited, probably, I would assume, I think for myself, I think of that, like, it needs to be revisited on a regular basis, this reminder of who we are in Christ, and whose we are. So I'm just looking at both of those two points that you made, and, you know, on the first one in terms of setting up the structures to address these vulnerable areas. I Me, mean, you even mentioned pornography and sexual integrity as being one of those areas. And I think that that is really important, especially right now in our culture. Um, yeah. and just the statistics are real, you know, there are men and women that are struggling with this like never before. Um, so how would you encourage, ministers you know even particularly young ministers to kind of deal with those things and start setting up structures you know who do they need to contact what do they how do they need to address this
0: yeah i mean uh so just for my story and whatever it might reveal to young ministers you know i started with with purchasing safe space by getting going to a a Christian counselor that was recommended to me and that's kind of was my starting place because I didn't feel like I had trusted relationships that I could go to the level that I needed to and there was stuff that all was all the way back to my childhood you know repeated multiple years of sexual abuse and stuff that I'd never really unpacked mm-hmm. and so I started with a counseling professional mm-hmm. but after doing that for a while I realized as good as it is it's not sufficient mm-hmm. And I really felt like God calling me to say, you need to bring this level of, of like transparency and healing in more of a reciprocal peer relationship. Mm-hmm. And I felt like even as Jesus called his disciples to be with him and how he chose them, mm-hmm. he, he prayed that I felt like the Lord really directed me, pray that, that, for, that I will show you who you should be walking with in mm-hmm. this season. And again, since that time, I've always had at least one or two or three people that I've walked with in that level of transparency and honesty. So, these peer relationships that I would call like covenant relationships, mm-hmm. where you set it up and it's mutual. You're not trying to, you know, fix one another. You're really trying to walk with one another and support one another uh, fully. And I think the very practical things like regarding like, you know, we live in this Internet age where you can be anonymous unless you choose to create an environment where you are not anonymous. Mm -hmm. And so for me, because of the vulnerability around sexuality and and early introduction of pornography, I've always had like for years, I've used covenant eyes as, as a mechanism on the internet that makes the internet not anonymous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have two people that monitor everything I go on the internet. One is my wife Mm -hmm. and having your spouse view everything that you view on the internet, if that doesn't put the fear of God in you, (laughs) I don't -hmm. know what, what else Mm -hmm. we'll put it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then my, one of my peer mentors that I walk with, he's the second one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so every week they're getting everything that I that I, I view on the internet and that it just feels very safe to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's reciprocal because I do it. Then this other minister does it back to me. And I, I know it's a very mutual benefit. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the structures. And then I think also just the weekly rhythm of resting. And so keeping a, a weekly Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for most of my adult life and ministry, my wife and I have been able to observe our Sabbath together. Mm-hmm. Usually on Fridays. And that's been something that has just bonded us in our marriage and has uh, created that rhythm of work and rest and work and rest and rest mm-hmm. and work.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so those were some of the key structures.
1: Yeah. No, that's yeah. good. And I appreciate that you're sharing. You had to move from just an individual kind of transformation with Christ, kind of working through it and building those structures in through counseling, I'm sure through your spiritual rhythms and disciplines, but that it had to go beyond that at a point to happen in community because we are transformed not just uh, individually in our relationship with God, but in community uh, as we're walking with each other. So I think that's a really important aspect of our journey of wholeness and our pursuit of wholeness, that it's not just an individual work but it's a, yeah. a work of community together.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. If I could tag on there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for pastors and spiritual leaders, if we don't do it and model it, we don't know how to sh- to share with others to do it. And so I feel like pastors need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they need to model it. Yeah,
1: And that's a, a challenge for us, I think, <laughs> you know, because as you are serving in your community, you do need to be careful and have, you know, safeguards in place um, as a leader. So we often, you know, you mentioned peer mentors. So can you share a little bit more about that, of what that means to you? Because I do think it's it's typically not, we're not finding these structures and finding this accountability and transformation in those we're serving, it's typically in those that we're peers with or colleagues with.
0: Yeah. So again, I'll, I feel like it's a prayer God's always answered when I pray to say, Lord, in this season, who should I be walking with in a mutualistic way? And I feel like God's always showed me. And so it's usually uh, sometimes it may start meeting every uh, two times a month. And then once we get a rhythm, it may it might reduce to once a month. And it's usually like maybe for an hour to 90 minutes max. We each have a time to share whatever's going on in our life. And for those that I walk with always the internet and like what we view with our eyes is is always a topic of conversation, how you do it with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're covenant eyes partner. So it's very conducive to that. Um, But it's really all of life. And so it's sharing usually, and then, you know, praying for one another. And also between our meetings, we're always, we have the ability to text, to call Mm -hmm. and those things. So anytime we're feeling like we need somebody to be covering us in prayer or even feeling temptation, you know? Mm
1: Um, yeah. What has been challenging for you? I know that there are challenges for, again, us as ministers in, in this journey and, and the things that you're sharing, like what, what has been challenging about really making sure that you have these structures that you're maintaining the structures?
0: Yeah. I mean, just making a priority that it doesn't get, um, you know, you need to, to prioritize your soul care mm-hmm. and your self-care. If you don't, it will always get sucked up by something else, some other demand. Mm-hmm. And so it's in my calendar and it's sacrosanct. you know, so I, <laughs> you know, I don't touch it. I know that I desperately need it and my spiritual health and life depends on maintaining those kinds of structures in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I I don't know what else really to add.
1: Yeah no that's good. Yeah so uh, one of the things that you said earlier in in these two seasons that you mentioned was the kind of learning and relearning that your identity in Christ and you as beloved. Um, and so how has that like as you are kind of in this continual process of learning to be and live in the belovedness of Christ, while also pursuing wholeness how has that impacted your view of the world around you your view of ministry how you enter into relationship especially in a ministry where you are kind of in conflict often or experiencing a lot of pressure but risk of compassion fatigue etc
0: yeah so, uh, you know, one, one of my mentors of people that I've read and attended conferences is Pete Scazzaro. Some people will know yes. that name. Uh, and, you know, that Pete kind of talks about some of the words that describe what a Sabbath or a sabbatical is, Or, a, yeah, a Sabbath or a sabbatical is, is stop, rest, delight, contemplate. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times on my, as I prepare for my sabbatical day, I'll have just a blank piece of paper and I'll write in the margin, stop, Rest, delight, contemplate. And then I'll say, how am I going to do that today? What am I stopping? How am I going to rest? What kind of rest do I need? What am I going to delight in? The delight one is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the being of, of delighting in God's goodness in his creation and stopping this drivenness in work is actually a sign of faith and resting in God that communicates the gospel in a way, if we are driven to succeed and always be on, I think we betray the message of the gospel. The gospel is about what God is doing and we're resting in his work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like it's a faith thing for him every week to say, I need to stop and place my trust in God. And I won't need to be his beloved son and enjoy the goodness of his creation Mm-hmm. And delight in His goodness, delight in him, the beauty, and to notice the beauty around me. Those are very important life giving things to me. But also, I think they're really, really important spiritual practices to ground you in your identity as a as a beloved child of God. That's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you go about addressing the? I think Pete Sciarra uses this language, and others do too. But the shadow sides of your leadership. And you can kind of ex- expand that word shadow side of leadership. I'll let, I'll let you do that because I know you're familiar with that language.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, so the shadow side for me would be the way that I'm wired is like I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So there are different language you can use to describe this. So if, right. you, if you're like an Enneagram person, I'm a one and that's a, that's called a reformer or a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So the reformers, like, you want to make a difference in the world. You want to change, you know, you know, injustice and what's going on in the world. You want to see reformation come to the church and to the culture and to the, you know, to individuals in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the dark side of that is like the perfectionism mm-hmm. where, you, you know, you wanted to do everything perfectly and, and all that, it could be really oppressive and actually par- par- paralyzing. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced a lot of paralysis in my life where I just get paralyzed because reforming is a huge like task and I want to do it like perfectly. And I could just like get to, and the antidote for that is to look at the perfect beauty of God Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the beauty of creation and notice beauty. It's what, it's what gets me out of that, um, that, that very counter dark perfectionistic paralysis is by just stopping and enjoying the beauty of God Mm -hmm. That's um,
1: good.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: that's good because we have, you know, again, everyone uses kind of different language. Sometimes it's like false self versus your true self, you know, um, or but really, in essence, it's these areas of strength in our life of how God's made us and wired us that can turn into weaknesses or can uh, move into weak areas uh, if they are not addressed and they are not regularly being kind of formed by Christ, but also. Regularly making sure that there are again structures around them that they stay within boundaries. So I appreciate you know you use this what you've recognized in yourself of this kind of perfectionistic nature that in strength and under I think submission to Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit is this you know desire to um, be on mission you know for Christ and to to see Christ's mission be furthered uh, in the world and in the kingdom of God. Um, and so that's good. I think those are, especially again, as leaders, as ministers, those are unique challenges that we have to be able to recognize these areas that can be sh- strengths, but move into weakness if we're not, if we're not careful. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, the Sabbath, you know, Sabbath rhythms being really important, uh, You know, I'm curious, obviously, peer relationships. Um, I'm curious if you have kind of a practice for ongoing reflection um, with the Holy Spirit. You know, the idea of like the psalmist David says, search my heart, oh God, and and see what way is inside of me and what anxiousness is inside of me. Do you have kind of some practices for reflection that you do with the Holy Spirit?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty avid journaler. And so I, there's rarely a day that goes by that I don't, I don't journal. And so journaling and, you know, praying what's going on inside of, inside of me and how God may be coming to me through, you know, my emotions and and what, what is going on. Um, You know, I I mean, I, I, use a little contemplative prayer app every day, almost every day. It's just like kind of a five minute, five to seven minute process and starting with the Psalm, usually Psalm 25, it just kind of enters into it. And then it's just a process of then entering into a time of silence Mm -hmm. and then um, ending with the Lord's prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I think just slowing myself down Mm -hmm. and resting and having that time of quiet and entering in and with the bookends of Uh, You know, Psalm 25 talks about um, search, uh, 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 presenting to God our soul, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and to me, our soul is like our, our, our thoughts, our emotions, our decisions Mm -hmm. that we've made decisions that are before us and so presenting our soul to God. And then ending with the Lord's Prayer, which the Lord's Prayer is so expansive, it covers everything, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. our sin, our failures, That's our, our resentments, everything, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just an awesome way for to me as a practice of entering the day. That's good.
1: Well, as kind of a final thought um, or final question for you is… You know, it really seems to me like, as you share, and I and I know you, I've I've worked with you on some areas over the, especially the last year, year and a half, in in racial reconciliation, and I've heard a lot from you on your heart, uh, your pursuit of wholeness, and it seems like you really embody these things. These are not just structures. We talk about them as structures, practices that you've implemented, but you really embody this. This is how you live your life. Um, but why is this conversation important? or what makes this conversation important for us as ministers?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the way God designed us to do it. And, and, uh, you know, our culture is really tells us a very different message, you know, Mm -hmm. to be driven, to always be on, to be driving towards success and, And, and as you said, like being on mission is like really super important, but how we do it, the Lord never told us to do it without him. And he, he constantly invites us into enter into his rest, Mm -hmm. that there is a rest for God's people. And we're, and we're to do it with Jesus. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so God gives us these rhythms. And so if we don't, then we're really modeling to the culture, something that I think is really broken and fallen. Mm and so. God gives us these rhythms as for our own good good, mm-hmm. and for our own delight as a gift. But I also think it really has something to do with being faithful to live out the message mm-hmm. of the gospel by resting and stopping and not being driven people, mm-hmm. uh, people who are called and order, order their lives uh, according to God's good design. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's so good. Thank you so much. I uh, just again appreciate you opening your heart, opening your journey, opening um, just yourself to us as a community. We know that there's power in telling stories, um, our stories. There's a um, a power that's in it for us in a way. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, but Paul. Ba- Paul talks about it in terms of there's a power in the work that God can do in other people's lives, is that we comfort others with the same comfort that God has given us. And so I thank you today for encouraging us, challenging us, bringing comfort, um, and just pray that that God blesses you in turn for it, but very appreciative. Thank you for offering this to our community, Greg.
0: Thanks for allowing me to do so, and uh, great to be with you and share this time together. Yeah.
1: Well, God bless you.
0: You too. All right. Take care.